I cannot get away from the fact that Ronaldo is, is scoring against Luxembourg and Lithuania and Andorra and Cyprus and Faroe Islands. This is saying, and he never takes like, three shots at these Ronaldo. Are, these are not even countries, Chuck. Who, if we're playing a general knowledge game or, or, or a, trivia, a trivia game, if you can name these countries, you are winning that game because everyone's just like, what? What is the Faroe Islands? Marache, what, what is, is that way? Is, is that where the his... rulers of Egypt came from? I've been here many times before, and I've never been defeated, and still. I will never be defeated. To your it's Jay. And this is Chuck. What's up, everyone? This is Jay from the Two Upfront podcast, where we look at the weekend sporting action and other narratives around the sporting arena that may have gone under the radar. Jean-Pierre Adams, Adams, maybe in French, passed away, Chuck, after 39 years in a coma. Would you, wanna, would you want drastic measures to be taken like that? 39 years in a coma. Drastic, drastic measures, Ganjan, in terms of legal stuff. Like, nah, if you're in a coma and... Oh. Like, do you want to be kept alive? And Because oh. his wife, when it was asked why he kept him alive that long, she said that she was hoping that technology would advance, because, I mean, he this was like 1982, mm. would advance to a point where he could be, like, resuscitated from that coma. One, that's love. And two, that's, that's, that's a logical kind of hope that things should get better and there should be better forms of, or other means of medicine to help him. Can you imagine, though, you... Like of the hue that you are of, Chuck. <laughs> and every time we come into a certain house, like there's a man there for the last almost forty years. He never wakes up. I'm gonna start thinking. It's like la. Anyway, I don't know. Um, yeah, some people after a coma, but he felt like it was just another nap. Some have lucid dreams. Some people can hear people. After 39 years, I wonder what the was hell he dreaming? Heard. Where yeah. was he? What was he doing? Rest in peace to him, though. It'd be like Captain, that's it'd be like the real Captain right America. Now, it was a Captain America type thing. But yeah, rest in peace to Jean Pierre. What's up, guys? Two up front is back. This is Chuck on this mic, and that's Jay with these. Sad the most stories. amazing news <laughs> in 2021. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Jay, it is officially, according to our calendar, the 7th of September. Transfer window is officially closed. The Ronaldo noise is still ongoing. <laughs> yeah, no. The shirt sales are flying off the shelves. Edmonds, we see you. Yeah. A little, a little busier than usual. Um, and so if we move away from the Ronaldo story, the the other red um, powerhouse in, in England su- suggesting, su- suggestively, according to their fans, have missed out on this transfer window while everyone was busy making big signings. Messi moved, Grealish moved, Ronaldo moved, and all these things. Liverpool just added Kanate and really no one else afterwards. Do you think they missed the trick? Do you think they... M- should have bolstered up and have more options than the four, which is Salah, Mane, Jossa, and Firmino? Do you think their uh, midfield needs a bit of reworking? Or do you think Liverpool are fine? Man, at the the onset of the transfer window, uh, when you were looking to additions and what teams can do and what they should do, I didn't actually think... Liverpool needed to make drastic moves in the transfer market, mainly because last season we saw at some point they touched the top of the league, as many teams did, mm. right? And they were defending champions, um, even though they had suffered that 7-2 defeat against uh, Aston Villa away. But then they won, I think 7-0, if I'm not mistaken, at, at Crystal Palace. And then they had the spate of injuries. Mm. And they were... They did remarkably well to recover towards the end and finish in Champions League positions. And then coming into the season, I just thought to myself that, well, they have these guys who've been injured, right? And all of these guys are coming back. Like Van Dijk, who's been out for almost a year, is someone who feels like a new signing. Last time we saw him, this was the best centre-back in the league. Mm. And even in that position, they, 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 they are deep, actually, which... It's hard to say, hard to tell based on last season because you had midfielders who were filling in at centre-back. But they did, as you mentioned, um, sign Konate, who is the the marquee signing from this off-season. And I think he was a great addition because when I 
started hearing the noise about like Upamecano and I started started to watch like RB Leipzig. Mm. I saw Konate next to him and it's like that guy looks a little more sturdy as a defender. You know, Upamecano is a hugely talented player, but like he goes on those marauding runs where you like you're gonna you leave your partner vulnerable at the back and Konate mm. was the guy who was sweeping up and who was taking care of things while he was off on his adventures and they are bringing back Gomez and Matip is also back and Matip looks like he's probably the starting center back at the moment with, with Van Dijk but now when I look at the whole picture again I think to myself maybe there was a lesson to be learned from last season that what happens if you get into a situation where you do have Injuries like this again mm. And especially the At the back I'm not so concerned Especially in the midfield And in the forward positions In the midfield We know what Klopp wants to do is With these midfielders But there has been Evidence That when teams Set up against Liverpool And they are in that low block And they are sitting back And they are not giving them space To counter And to run into in, in, Into those pockets of space They seem to be lacking Someone with a little flair With a little genius With that master key that opens up um, defenses. They, they did sign like Thiago last season, but he is someone who also plays from a, a, a deep-lying position. And since they let go of Coutinho to Barcelona, they haven't had anyone like that, you know? Mm. So they may have needed that option because teams know who Liverpool are. They know what Klopp is trying to do. And Klopp is putting out the same team week in, week out. And we noted that perhaps part of the reason that they had so many injuries was because these guys are tired. They've been overplayed. And so if you have also the issue then of fatigue and burnout, then you want a deep squad. Chelsea have Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic who all could walk into most teams in the EPL. And then they added Saul, mm. you know, and Liverpool fans were, were, were mentioning this, like why aren't we in the market for a Saul? Mm. And, from my thoughts of thinking that they didn't need anyone and then having also then seen um, Timikas step in for, 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 for Robertson, Robertson yeah. thought to myself, yeah, they probably don't need frontline guys, guys who are going to come straight into the starting eleven because they're pretty secure in mm-hmm. those positions. But the addition of Timikas, who is someone who replicates exactly, almost exactly what Robertson does when he's out, that's what you're looking for when you're looking to sign people like for, for depth, right? Yeah. Same thing with, with a Jota. Jota can fill out, fill in like across the front line. And you saw that you probably need him uh, based on what we've seen of recent times with Firmino. And yep. the worrying form and, 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 and variable form that we've seen also from Mane, it's like, okay, you've got Jota in your back pocket. So... With now them experiencing the injuries where Milner's out, Nico Williams is out, I believe, as well. They don't really have anyone backing up Trent at the back, at right back. And uh, Ox is back from his injury. Uh, Firmino is, is, is injured at the moment. And really, they've got Origi. <laughs> so when <laughs> you when you think that's one of your options, you, you think to yourself, for a team that is probably going to want to challenge for like the EPL and the Champions League, yeah, sure, there's the fairy tale goal against Barcelona, but those are few and far between mm. and not someone yeah not 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 like like a Lukaku or anything like that although Lukaku would have been great you know yeah. don't get me wrong but guys to come back up the starters um i think they may have missed a trick and it's easy for me to say this now as i'm saying because it's worrying when you see injuries at liverpool because you've seen what has happened mm. i think with with liverpool one thing that we're not you've touched on 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 Simkas as an addition and uh, uh konate we don't quite rave or rather recognize the fact that they've added uh, Curtis Jones into the team. They've integrated Harvey True. Elliott this season, who has been a revelation, actually. I didn't know the boy was very good, um, was this good, actually. Um, and I think a lot of the panic from the Liverpool fans comes from the fact that we looked, I think everyone looked at it initially like you did, you did and I think I did had those same eyes as well, that they looked strong enough and they are welcoming back uh, new, face, new faces, but old guys who were injured. And it is almost like ma- making a signing. But the thing is, when you look at the neighbors, um, they're adding a Sancho. You look at the neighbors, they're yeah. adding a Grealish, they're adding a Lukaku, a Saul, and you're like, but where are we now? Because everyone, everyone wants to rate their club's prospects based on how stacked they are. And you believe that if you're not stacking on this season, then you're a step behind. And what I like about Klopp, and it, it might come back to Burnham, though, is continu- continuity is key. Whenever, I mean, for instance, Arsenal made a lot of signings, spent the most money in the window. And 
that might be another problem for for Arteta, where how do I put all these pieces together? Because I've acquired new pieces, and it would be a shame to not use the new pieces because I've spent money. So I have to put players into the team and see how they integrate. Whereas with with, with Liverpool, what we know now for sure is that Jota is a, is an able replacement for for uh, Firmino. We know that for sure. That okay, finally, if things are not going right. Can step in. Yeah, he can step in. And you know, anyway, in, in midfield, the positions are somewhat interchangeable. You can get your Keita in there. You can get your Curtis Jones in there, your Milner, um, your Fabinho. You're still, sort of interlocking, interchanging pieces. You've, you've found somewhat a perfect fit for the replacement, Taylor Robertson. And so I think based on that, I, I should think they're good, they're good enough because God forbid they get uh, an injury crisis like they did last season. But I think that's the worst possible case and that's the worst case scenario for anyone you know and like Klopp said that if if City had the same injuries that he had he didn't think they were winning the title which probably would agree with that so actually looking at Liverpool yeah they don't have those pieces Jay in terms of breaking down defenses but I think throughout the the years uh season in season out they haven't really needed to get those pieces because ever since Coutinho left Somehow, some way, they've played better. I don't know if maybe that's because it helps them transition they've the ball managed without him. Yeah, they've won without him. They've won with Yeah, because now all of a sudden, I think when you drop uh, uh, someone like Coutinho, you sell them off. People like Trent step up and Robertson, they become your creative outlets, and they've balanced the side that way. And then your midfield is more workmen, um, and they do that very well. So, as long as Liverpool are pressing, as long as they've got those front three who have a lot of pace, a lot of skill, I think they're still dangerous. So, I. I yeah, I, I sympathize because every every transfer window, if my team's not signing some of the best players, I also get a bit of envy. Like, I wanted Saul. <laughs> Where is he going to play? I don't know, but I wanted Saul. And I think maybe it's a bit of that to do um, with Liverpool fans. Because the issue now, or the concerns that come up, is because Javier Le recently pulled out of the under-29 squad, right? Mm. And you have the situation where Roberto Firmino also went down with injury in the last game. And then James Milner played in the first game against Norwich, but then hasn't been seen since then. Hmm. And these, though, when I think about it, Chuck, these are not guys who immediately you think of, these are the guys we need to go win the title. You know, these are the guys we need to be up there with the best teams. Because if you think about it, and I know I I sound like I'm a bit on the fence because I'm a bit on the fence in terms of what did they need? You know, mm. because I think it's one thing to just say we should make signings. Um, I think it's 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 a bit ignorant to just want signings when you don't actually you cannot prove per se that they're gonna make the team better or how they're gonna make the team better. You don't just want to add guys for mm. the sake of you just pulling in numbers. You know, because what is the point of those guys being there? And with Liverpool, the issue last season they lost they lost the most days to injury of any EPL team ever. That's a stat. Like. Ever. Mm. No other team has experienced the number of days missed by their players as Liverpool did last season. So last season was an anomaly, yeah. right? Although it was an anomaly, I can't help but think it has left some trauma in, 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 in Liverpool fans' minds. So as mm. soon as you see guys going down, you start getting concerned. I think the concern maybe should be on mild at the moment because it is a number of guys who are injured all at the same time. And it, it, there's a feeling of, oh my goodness, here we go again. Mm. But it's not really that. I think you get to red on high alert when you have someone like Evan Dyke who gets who gets injured like throughout the season. Because even last season, with the injuries that they experienced, if they had Van Dyke for the for the whole season and that that interchanging of guys coming in and out, uh, the personnel at, at centre back, if they were all just coming, slotting in, playing next to Van Dyke, they have a, a different season and there's a better feeling. And I think it's the fact that the particular person who went down mm. and was out for the entirety of the season. It's the same thing that if Salah were to go down, because we're not yet concerned with like Firmino, as we're saying that mm. um, you do have Jota. If Salah goes down, Jota doesn't quite fit in there. Like Elliot is the guy who is, who's backing him up. And I don't think if you signed uh, people who are, there are no Salahs out there and who are going to want to come and compete against a Salah who's already the incumbent in that position. So you look at the Liverpool team, and I think about the Manchester United teams under Sir Alex Ferguson, they didn't change much mm. over the years. There's a reason why Paul Scholes has eight championships, Ryan Cakes has 11, and so many of those guys have like six or five. Mm. Or they've stacked up those championships because they were in those teams season in, season out. And you don't want to mess with the winning formula. And it's 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 very easy now to think of Liverpool as not having a winning formula, but it we shouldn't forget, like, 
just two and three seasons ago, these guys are racking up 97 and 99 points, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is their ceiling. This is a couple of years later as well. There is the concern, as I'm saying, like money needs to be money mm-hmm. for that to happen. I think at this point, um, I think Firmino is, is replaceable. But you you do need something in the form of creativity uh, mm. if he's if he's not in the team because Jota doesn't he doesn't replicate that part of, of Firmino's game although he does bring more goals or more attacking threat in the form of scoring goals in my opinion so ultimately I do think they 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 did they did need to add um, signings on the basis that how United for example reacted to Ronaldo being available they weren't chasing Ronaldo this mm. was not as far as we know so it's not part of their transfer plan. But Ronaldo becomes available, and why do you why why not add someone who's scored almost sixty goals in in the league the last two seasons? You know, mm-hmm. Chelsea as well. They don't need Saul because they've won the Champions League, and they 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 pivots are thought of as in some circles as like the best in the league or maybe the best in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why you're hearing ridiculous shouts for Jorginho to be winning a Ballon d'Or. Ridiculous, you yeah. know. But That's Saul ridiculous. becomes available or he's made available to them, and they take him. You know. So I think in a situation whereby, oh, Saul is, is available, why not go get him? But mm. I don't think exactly they should have gone chasing after anybody because I don't think, I don't look at someone out there and think they absolutely need to upgrade in this position. Yeah, especially because you wonder then if they make signings, at, I don't think with what Klopp has now and what he's seen of his team that he'd make a signing of 50 mil plus because they need such a piece, such a, a piece because there are no obvious and clear holes in Liverpool. So if he signs, say, for instance, not even Saul, say he signs, um, let me get a name, let me get a name. Say he signs Odegaard, would the, would, the, would the fans be happy because it's not a marquee signing? Say he signs Ruben Neves, would they be happy because it's not a superstar signing? Whereas if you look at the, 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 the neighbors, everyone is signing a marquee player or someone with a big name. And I think maybe that's where the anxiety comes in, that people are reinforcing and they're doing it big time, you know? Because already we thought when they signed Lukaku, the Chelsea were going to, go all the way and then they add Saul which is another option because Kovacic is class but injury issues and whatnot but you have Kovacic you have Georgina you have Kante and Saul that's that's a different piece altogether and then now that frees up everyone else to play Mounts can even go play uh, high up the line he can even assist and then you can have Pulisic Ziyech and they can do whatever whereas Liverpool is set and they play the way they do and so I don't think that Klopp is looking to sign anyone to break that harmony because it is the front three and it is the the workers behind them and a solid defense. So I think with what you were saying as well, with with the fact that if they had Van Dijk, it's a different season altogether and they probably have more optimism coming into this one because last season, I think games against uh, Newcastle, they were conceding late. Easy goal that they shouldn't have conceded. That you're like, if you guys were solid, you'd win this game. But because there's so many um, personnel changes at the back, you guys are prone to conceding the, the odd goal here and there when you shouldn't. So overall, Liverpool is solid. And they've proven that so far, according to what they've done in the league. And I mean, yeah, I find there's a red card, but it's hard to win against Chelsea if you were to blame them. That's where they drop points against Chelsea, who are the uh, European champions. So all in all, I think they look a good outfit and I think they should be fine. Without, that's where I stand without a signing. They should be fine. You reckon there's always perhaps like harmony or it's always a practical situation in a club to have guys who view themselves as starters mm. um, just riding out on the bench and accepting that, well, we are all competing for positions and at the moment I'm depth. Because I look at the Chelsea situation, for example, where suddenly Alonso is playing at, at left wing back, you know, and Chua was signed for big money. Mm. He's he's on the bench, you know. At this moment, it's, it's going swell, but... If this continues for the whole season, say he doesn't play for the whole season, mm. is he not now disgruntled? Um, or in a situation like Werner, also mm. signed for big money. Mm. Now Lukaku's in, and from what we've seen thus far, they're not going to be playing together. You know, True. Unless there are injuries, then you, you slip in. As you say, the kind of injuries that Liverpool had were anomalies. But is it that simple that, well, you just need to go stack guys up and, and get the, the kind of tip that Chelsea has or... Man City, where mm. we know at Man City, the the particular coach, he's he's mastered like giving game time to all these guys, keeping everyone happy, relatively. Yeah, I think um, I think as a communication first and foremost, that when we sign you, um, what are the prospects? What is the idea? I mean, you have Van der Beek who's not playing at United, 
But I don't think there were any promises made to him that, well, you're going to break in and play as you, Bruno and Pogba. I don't think that was the idea that we're adding to the midfield and you want to fight for your place and you could be a, fi- a fixture in the team. Whereas I think when they're signing Lukaku, it's like, dude, we need goals and you're the guy. And someone like Werner will be disappointed because that's not what was told to him when he was signing because it wasn't told that you're going to be a bit part player. Oh, Lukaku is coming after yeah, this. Yeah, so yeah. Because if he scores goals last season, mm. Lukaku is not coming, you know. True. Or even if he's told, well, you are holding down a spot until like he probably reconsiders that that decision. And if you consider the fact that he was signed by Lampard, now Thomas Tuchel, it's change of manager, change of ideas, and now you're no longer as and important the piece that you thought you were. So I think if, if, if you're signing and you know that here's the team that's it. Like, for instance, I didn't think uh, Jota, probably in his own mind, based on his own confidence, thought he would disturb the front three and find stake a, a place in the team. But I don't think he, he, he had concrete ideas like that based on uh, what Klopp communicated to him because Klopp was very happy with the front three. Um, but find, so, 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 so basically where I'm going with this is that if you were told that this is what we need and you're the guy, then you should be you should be okay. But if you're told that this is what we need and you're the guy and we're going to play through you, we're building the team around you, and you find yourself on the bench, then you have every right to be disgruntled. When when they signed Chilwell, there was no one to hold that place down until Chilwell came. Chilwell put in a, diff- a decent shift in that season. Alonso was nowhere to be seen. Different manager, different ideas, and now he's on the bench. So it's and and at the same time you had Chelsea. You want to fight for your place. You want to say, guys, you didn't make a mistake. I I I can prove to be worthy of the left back spot. So as much as you're disgruntled, I think I think after a season or two you can't really be um, looking for a way out. Uh, although you'd be justified. I mean, if the communication has, has changed. Um, but yeah, I think people like for me how it looks at Liverpool that people are on the bench. Seem to be okay with it. I I don't I don't get the idea that people who are on the bench at Liverpool are fighting to play, and if they're not playing, they they upset. Like why are people like already already signing extensions? Oxley Chamberlain seems to be happy whenever he gets game time, and sure his injuries have hampered these seasons, but people just seem happy whenever they're called upon, and you never get to hear them speak out in the press about I am not playing. Like you get to hear Van der Beek say, well. If you play me once every other month, I'm not going to be very good. I need game time, and you'll yeah, see that I can. Time. Yeah, I've never heard that from a Liverpool secondary player. So, and with with regards to Liverpool, I mean, the manager. I think his opinion is very important. And what we've what we've heard from Klopp thus far is that he's happy with um, what has happened. Uh, I don't I don't take Klopp to be the kind of person who, even if he is disgruntled with his board, would come out in the media. And state those frustrations outright like that, where you can tell, oh, there is, there is, there's disharmony between him and his employers, mm. you know. And I mean, I also then think, on the other hand, Klopp is very much aware of this, and I think Liverpool fans uh, are frustrated by this. That the the ownership of of of, of FSG, like and like Henry, is is not prone to spend a lot of money. I think in the in the ten oh, no, in the eleven years they took over in twenty ten in the time since they've taken over Liverpool they've spent the first most amount on on transfers um, which is around a billion pounds which is a lot and it sounds like a lot but then when you compare it to like Man City are eight hundred million more mm. uh, Chelsea I think are half a half a half a billion more and and Manchester United are around there Arsenal have spent more money than Liverpool in that time you mm. know they are not. They're not. They're not people who are very keen to spend money. Liverpool are not in debt. They mm. have not been plunged into debt, um, a la Chelsea or Manchester City. But then, as we've discussed before, when you look at that, you're like, maybe we do want to swallow some debt if that means like competitiveness, yeah. you know. But I think for for Liverpool fans, if I were to say anything to Liverpool fans, is you need to accept that this is how these guys operate. Um, Henry has bought this team not necessarily to plunge his own money into it. He has he has put in some of his own money into it, but ultimately, it's to raise um, the 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 worth of the club, which is actually, I think, close to ten times more mm. than what he bought it for. That's the value valuation right now. And one of these days, he might cash out. Um, but I think if he stays in, I think this season is going to be telling in what needs to happen going forward. If they are around like fourth um, and they didn't mount a serious challenge. Mm. Then they're going to need to relook at the team and see: Do we need to freshen things up? And if that doesn't happen, 
then I would say Liverpool fans have a reason to maybe write. But at this point, as I said, they're only like a season removed from the highest of highs, you yeah. know. And it's it, 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 it must be some form of FOMO. Because <laughs> when you look it must be, yeah. on, on some level, it must be that, you know, because... Although it, it it's concerning because when I think about the game against Chelsea that Liverpool played, uh, I think about the game where Thiago made his debut away mm. at Chelsea and Chelsea had gotten a red card. Chelsea went nowhere in the game after that, like absolutely nowhere. Yeah. In this game though, if you measure that, you're like, okay, no, these guys have clearly mm. improved, you know. But I don't think Liverpool are going to be engaging in matches against either Chelsea or Manchester City or United which are really the guys who they are challenging um, with for the Premier League title and they're going to be blown off the pitch mm. or even in other games. You know, it is just a matter of the smaller teams sitting back and I think that comes back to the coach. We claim that Jurgen Klopp is one of the best managers in the world and with the personnel that he has, which is a world-class personnel, hard, hard to put pressure on him, but like you need to figure that one out. Yeah. That's and I think, I think as well, that. what needs to be said is that you can't spend money every, every window. And maybe if, if if anything that would be a plus is that if they're not spending now, they probably have more for the next window and they can yeah. actually get a, a world-class star. So, I mean, and I, I mean, if you look at the fact that Arsenal has spent more than, than, than uh, Liverpool, there's a benefit to Liverpool being where they are. Arsenal need to build. Arsenal need to get to a particular level. Arsenal need to do so much. Whereas Liverpool have a very strong team at the moment that they, that they don't really need to tweak or change too much. So even if they're not spending, that's because they're not, they don't really have to. So... Like we said, um, yeah, we see the concerns, but uh, I don't really have much weight, I think. I think you guys will be fine this season. So, Chuck, we are we are speaking about club football, but we are in the middle of a international and international break at the moment, mm-hmm. which is, oddly, something that FIFA are looking to do away with, the like less international breaks, but what that means and what and where the story comes from is derived from the fact that FIFA are at the moment carrying out a feasibility study to see if they can weekend the world of football at large host World Cups more regularly than we mm. do right now. So at the moment it's every four years, but what the study is looking to prove is is it is it feasible to host it every two years instead? Mm. Do you want to see this? Why are FIFA looking into this? Um, do I want to see this? Um, no, not really, because I feel it loses its prestige. If it's every two years, it it doesn't hold the magic that it once did. It's not as magical. Like if if you if you if you're a team like um, Argentina and you lose out to the World Cup final, if you can get it, run it back like two years later, it's it doesn't hurt that much. I'm sure Messi's not walking away from the national team because it's like. By the time it's four years later, damn, I might not be in an Argentine shirt, you know? So it, it means so much more if it's only four years, just like what the Olympics are. So uh, do I want to see a lot more of it? I see a lot of football already. Maybe the specifics are down to FIFA and UEFA and CAF and whoever as to what, it, what exactly it is that we're seeing. But I think we, we are right. Um, another thing that I'm thinking about is that if it's every two years, chances of you seeing a, t- a country like South Africa host go from little to zero to be impossible because we're an outlier in terms of options to host the World Cup. And I'm sure we needed every bit of those six years when we, when it was announced to get the the, 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 the country ready, the tournament and, and the facilities infrastructure to get them ready for the World Cup. If it's been done every two years, then how, 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 how long in advance would you know that you're hosting? What would you need to build? There are people whose human rights are already being violated. There are people who are dying because of the pressures of construction. If it's every two years and you need to build new stadia, chances are it will be impossible or you just not, might not get the gig. So at the end of the day, we might just see World Cups in, in, in Europe anyway, where they've been traditionally hosted. So it's more of the same, but with less quality, I feel. So no, I don't want to see more of the World Cup. I, I really don't. So football, football is a strange sport in that FIFA are the governing body, right? But... Beneath FIFA, you have other continental governing bodies. And within those continents, there are the specific FAs mm-hmm. of those countries. And they they run their national team, but mostly oversee their, their local league, um, that country's league. Mm. And the business of the FA is, is yeah, leaning. 
the Premier League is different because the Premier League and their breakaway league, how they became the Premier League, they broke away from the FA. And so even them, they have a divide there where the mm. Premier League do really much have their own interests at heart and the FA have more the interests of the national team. So the interesting bit is that it feels as though the game has 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 these little beefs amongst one another. It is not it's not exactly this it is termed a beautiful game, but it is not this family affair where mm. everyone is sitting around the table and they are they are like shaking each other's hands and everyone is happy and we're all pulling in the same direction. It may seem like that when you see uh, teams from different countries or countries themselves, nations playing against each other, the, F- the FIFA World Cup being the prime example mm. of bringing these different nations from different ends of the world onto the same into the same competition on the same pitch and whenever the world cup comes there is this feeling that it's 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 a world in celebration you know everyone mm. is just celebrating these different cultures and celebrating around the beautiful game but just not so long ago we had the issue of the super league mm. um this is clearly not a happy family you know yeah. and with with the Super League, what, what what one of the things that Perez was saying, Perez was referring to like young people and they want to see a different format. And oddly enough, FIFA have said the same thing that in this world of like a 24 hour news cycle with social media and young people and their attention spans, they want something that is not antiquated, something that is not anchored in ways of old, but in, in, in modern times. I don't know how they got to the idea that, well, every two years is what young people are looking for. And you already know at this point if you listen if you listen to the podcast like that this is a money grab mm. you know, but beyond a money grab, um, which is what it is, it is also a wrestling of attention. Um, as I'm saying yep. that FIFA do what FIFA have are the national teams. That's what they have. They've got Basically, the World Cup, yeah. and they have the national teams. And the World Cup is 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 their marquee event. I mean, they've even cancelled the confederation cup that happened before like every the year before every world cup where you mm. brought together the champions of the different continents and all they have is the world cup so they are only really relevant every four years and in 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 a world where like just now as i'm saying international break we are talking about liverpool mm. you know uh, in, during during this this particular transfer window crazy the news cycle the news buzz i mean ronaldo moving to manchester united is not something you can replicate at, at like international level you no. know the buzz as i'm saying the news the attention that the clubs are getting i have no i have i, I have no doubt fifa are looking at that and saying that we want some of that and we want some of those eyeballs on us because mm-hmm. when the world cup actually does come around it is the most watched event not even just sports event it's the most watched event in the world where I think actually the numbers come up to even over half the population of the world. Mm. So they are thinking to themselves, we have the constituency, but we only have them every, every, every four years. And you see with, with, with the things that they're implementing in 2026, that World Cup is going to have 48 teams, you know, is the World Cup broken? I don't think the World Cup is broken. And the thing that you say, Chuck, in terms of the prestige, I think it, it really does take away from it. Part of part of part of part of the argument for Pele being like the greatest of all time is the fact that Pele has three World Cups, right? Mm. Which is a phenomenal feat when you think about the fact that although I have some thoughts around that story for another day, <laughs> but it's a phenomenal th- feat when you think about the fact that that's that's at least a period of twelve years. You know, if you have a World Cup every 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 two years, you could have three World Cups, and ugh, man, in a career of twenty years. You could stack up like four. And then we're going to say you are the guy who holds the record for the most World Cup triumphs as a player. Mm. But when you think about it, it's not quite the same thing. Can I can I, can I I interrupt you and say, if we, if we think of Spain and their Euro run and their World Cup run and the defending of the Euro, in that six years, they could Mad. run the whole, the whole world. Or run the gamut, yeah. And so at least the four years gives us a, a change of cycle where the powerhouse team can at least grab a World Cup and a Euro or whatever their continental trophy is. And someone else can get a chance. But if it's just in you guys within six years, that's six years, that's enough for the whole squad to hit their peak and dominate. And then I think that also is, could be counterproductive in terms of what FIFA's trying to do. If we already know that Spain is, is bossing us in two years' time, what what's going to change? What Not much. Change? But in four years' time, you, you do have a bit of a chance. But with the attention thing, Jay, I, I, I get you because basically, if we talk about who runs the world, that's UEFA, not FIFA. 
uh, our eyes on the Champions League. Our, our How many times have we heard from Prem. Seferin in the last year or so? You know what I mean? Like, you don't even know who this is. Like, you probably um, recognize Seferin more than Infa- Infantino. Infantino, yeah. you know? Mm. Infantino is just there when they're <laughs> picking names for countries and whatnot. But here's the thing, Jay Ogute. Our eyes are on the Premier League, Champions League, uh, Serie A and all that stuff. And obviously then to our own home countries, we watch the, the local leagues. Even now, it is called an international break, a break from the norm. That's when we go back to FIFA. When there was the Super League, we didn't really see much FIFA. It was separate, like we're handling our business because this is our money spinner and we don't want anyone to hurt it. So it it, it, it does raise concerns because we, we do point fingers at FIFA. Like you want more World Cups, um, you want to add more teams to the World Cup. Whereas UEFA uh, have added the, the Confederation Cup. Lord knows what that is. We just know the Tottenham are there. Yeah. <laughs> we just know the Tottenham are there. That's another money spinner. They're trying to get more 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 eyes on, onto that game, more attendance, more tickets, more money, basically, as you've been saying on the show. And with the family situation that you're talking about, that they don't play nice. They don't play well. And the question is, how does FIFA get one over UEFA? Because UEFA is currently the top dog. And you 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 wonder to yourself that what regulations are there? What what how can FIFA impose themselves to still be the top dog again? But then the question is, Jay, have we opened a can of worms? Because we are where we are now, and in twenty twenty six we are going to go to forty eight teams. Yeah, are we going to a, to a, to a place in the sport where we can't retract to come back? Because already the the, the players are complaining that the schedule is hella packed. Pedri played seventy odd games. He's back and he's going to play again. Imagine there's a World Cup every two years. Spain definitely want to want, want him to play. They're not gonna, they're not gonna say you can take a break. There's also then also I think in, in UEFA's favor the whole thing that I don't know how the clubs in the Premier League voted that we're not gonna send out players <laughs> to these red zone flags according to the UK. That's why some players are still at their clubs because they are not being released by the clubs who are under UEFA. FIFA, I don't know what they say is, but there are some players who have not gone because. The clubs in UEFA under UEFA have protected their assets, and as, as a result, have protected have, have protected what is under the banner of UEFA. U- Premier League quality won't be won't be tarnished. Serie A quality won't be tarnished. Champions League quality won't be tarnished. But the international friendlies and the qualifiers don't have those marquee players. So how does FIFA fight back in a way that is fair? Because fighting back only means more attention to them, more games for them which is tiring for the players and which is not feasible as they're trying to study. Is it feasible? Have you gone too far, Jay, with these ideas of do this, do that, play this? There's, there's a tier for everyone. You can, in, in two years' time, Jay, I'm sure if you finish 10th, there'll be a, something in Europe for you. If you finish 15th, there'll be something in Europe for you. It's TV rights. Yeah. Because more, more, more games, more games need to be broadcast. And if they need to be broadcast, then the TV companies need to bid for those games. And that's just more money in people's coffers, you mm. know. And it's, you know, as much as you and I say that we don't want to see more like FIFA World Cups more regularly. And I think it really is from a point of view where it it really must mean something. There is jeopardy to the fact that if you don't get it now, this might be your last chance. You know, this is this is the these are the thoughts when we were lost watching the last World Cup and like Messi and. And Ronaldo in that World Cup, Messi is like 31 at the time and, and Ronaldo is, what, 33. Mm. You're thinking to yourself, four years from now, we're looking at like a 35-year-old and a 37-year-old and that's it. You mm. know, they don't have another opportunity. And yes, you want to see them win it, but you want to have, you want to, especially when you're comparing grades, uh, which is what I think more more than anything, the FIFA World Cup has has, has been a platform to bring that into the conversation what has he done at this level mm, you know mm. and all of the greats well not maybe not all of the greats actually not all the greats but most of them they have fifa world cups you yep. know you have a crave who just missed out you mm. and 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 who was playing the same finals like a Bakkenbau who won that finals like okay maybe do you want to take Bakkenbau over him you have you have you have the legend of the 1986 world cup with maradona and what he did in that world cup and as i said You've got like Pelé and you have the argument that is made by people like Shaka Hislop that you are nowhere near the top of my list of of, of the GOAT without a World Cup, you know? And it feels as though over time it's it's started to mean less and less. Because I don't think like that. I don't think that Messi or Ronaldo need a World Cup for me to put them at the very top if Mm. that's the argument I'm making for either one of those players. And FIFA are aware of that, right? 
So and I, as I'm saying, I don't want to see it um, because the, I I do want to I, I do want for the World Cup to hold that prestige that you had four years, mm-hmm. right? And after that four years, you had this month, and you either did it or you didn't. Um, and it's as simple as that. And if you didn't, if you're around in the next four years, you can try again. Mm-hmm. And you can sort some things out. And as you say, like the storylines change dramatically over a period of four years. But on the side of FIFA, I think where they might have they might have a, a leg to stand on is because who they're actually going at is UEFA. Mm-hmm. Like, think about, think about, think about how, what, exactly what you just said. I was thinking about this after you, you, you point out the fact that clubs in Europe are not releasing players to come to go play in, in, in the red, red zone countries, mm-hmm. you know. But everyone in Europe who plays for a European like, country and plays for a European team, they are having the time of their lives, yep. you know. And, a Seferin, for example, who is who wrote a letter and, and has spoken out that he's against like the World Cup being every four years, he's he's okay with 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 the Euros, right? Mm. Because they delayed the Euros and everyone was on board because the hub of of, of the economy like of the economy of football is in Europe yep. and that's protected. Whether it's in the which is why he was fighting for the Champions League against the the Super League. This is something else that he feels is is infringing on his kingdom, mm-hmm. you know. And where where FIFA are coming in is they don't they don't they don't they might not say it but they don't like UEFA having the kind of power that they have and what FIFA like from what I've read about the story they do have the backing of CAF mm-hmm. and they do also then have the backing of like the Asian um, conference because those countries don't have they don't have what Europe has like those continents don't have what 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 Europe has the Champions League over here or the Champions League in Asia or or or, what the, or the the Libertadores in, in, in South America or what they play for in, in North America is not quite the Champions League, Mm-mm. right? And what, what football fans think about when they think football, they think Europe. They might not say it because it has become synonymous with it, like petroleum jellies Vaseline. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's become like that, like football is Europe. You think football, you think Europe because all the best players are there. And these storylines, we come here week in, week out, and we're talking about European football because that's where the center of the game is. FIFA are aware of that, mm. and they are they 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 definitely want to pr- to break that hegemony that um, UEFA has. The way that they're going about it, I don't I don't I don't quite think is how uh, it's, it's not how I want to see it. Mm. Where, whereas I'm saying like I don't want to see multiple World Cups, uh, World Cups um, every every second year. But this is coming to a head between UEFA and FIFA, and something is something is going to have to give. Something is going to have to give. Something has to because you feel like as much as FIFA are in charge, it's sort of like having Bane in the room and he asks you, do you feel in charge? And <laughs> do you FIFA really? have to <laughs> feel that they're not in charge because all the things that you've listed, Jay, are what we define as football. And we, and, we, and we do so because we see it every year and it's a cycle and it's repetitive and it's a product that we like where FIFA only has a shout every other four years. Um, fine, they've introduced the Nations uh, Cup, which uh, we're aware of it. <laughs> it doesn't quite get our blood riding. Um, but the Euros do, the Champions League does, um, the local leagues in Europe do. So I don't know how they're going to fix that because whatever reform that FIFA is going to suggest, definitely UEFA are going to kick back because what they have working right now, like they've done away with the Super League, is working for them, mm-hmm. for their pockets, for their model and how they present themselves as a wholesome uh, product. How do, how does FIFA get in? Like it's, it's, it's very interesting and because they both talk of football reform. That it needs to be done a particular way, and the structures, whatever, whatever. But they're all talking about it, looking at how it's going to benefit them. So, I wonder how this is going to end. Um, I don't know. Be interesting <laughs> it, it to be see. Very interesting. Be very interesting to see. Um, yeah, and then while we're on the international break, I'd like to confess again. <laughs> a couple of episodes ago, I don't know what had gotten over me. Um, <clears throat> I had said that I concede that Messi is the goat. But after Check, goals, <laughs> not the time. I'm back in my right mind. You're such a prisoner of the moment. Such a prisoner of the moment. No, but forget all that talk. Um, most goals are by an international athlete in the modern era. Wow, that's. I mean, we talk about greats, but that is the 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 absolute highest point you can get as an international star in terms of representing your country. 111 goals. And the the one to clinch, uh, the one to tie the record was was no, the one to tie the record was was he was tied going into the game now against. Uh, no, it was a goal behind. It was a goal behind. No, no, he was tied. He, he was, was tied. Yeah, yes. 
the the one that gets him one over is the equalizer, the one that makes him outright and clearly um, the great is the winner for the game. So, man, at 37, I mean, if there were any doubts for the United fans, he's still got BMT. He can still bring it. To, he's, he is still clutch. Man, it's and he's got a world record. I mean, never mind us just saying it and notifying it. It's in the Guinness World Book of Records that most goals by an international athlete. Ronaldo, congratulations. Oh, you expect me to say something, Chuck? You need to. <laughs> you need to recognize. Unlike Chuck, who's an outright hater of Messi in this like why Messi Ronaldo to, divide. Why did that to come across like because, that? Because it is like that. Because I was listening back, I was listening to our, our episodes and I think to myself, you take un, un, unnecessary shots at Messi, unwarranted shots at Messi. And like, I think to like myself, I'm week. always actually like giving when props say- to Ronaldo. When I was saying that the signing eclipsed Messi's, exactly, I'm like, why, why, why did facts. Messi come into this? How many shows did Messi sell? Again, that's facts. <laughs> that is not facts. That is not facts. Who's who's buying number thirty? A lot of people yeah. are buying number thirty. It just so happens that Manchester United have more fans, Chuck, in the world. If 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 Messi had signed for United, we'd be talking about these record numbers as well. Anyway, back to Ronaldo mm. because I like pay, uh, paying my respects to Ronaldo without yeah, without, without without yeah, having to, to Ronaldo. E- eclipse his 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 achievements by bringing Messi into the picture because that's anyone who enters a conversation with Messi that's what happens to no, them just, just, not my call. Let's, let's talk about Ronaldo okay so what this what this record means for me first of all and I hope this doesn't come across as 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 anything but how I feel I feel it's appropriate for Ronaldo to be the world record goal scorer or someone of Ronaldo's ilk or his stature as opposed to the previous. Um, no disrespect to Ali Day, but the old Delhi Ali. Man, like one in the in the top five currently, uh players who are playing at the moment, there is an Asian player. And they, they play so many games over there. And the the truth is the quality is not as high. Um it does not take away from the achievement because mm. if it was that easy anyone who plays in the conference um could have done that you know and also as you keep pointing out that Ronaldo's scoring against Lithuania and Luxembourg so maybe they've got a bit of clout as well scoring against whoever they're scoring against in Asia true yeah. and there is the fact I, I am not overlooking the fact when we compare if we were comparing the 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 careers internationally of Ronaldo and Messi or with the other greats from South America, for that matter. I cannot get away from the fact that Ronaldo is, is scoring against Luxembourg and Lithuania and Andorra and Cyprus and Faroe Islands. Messi is saying and he never takes like, three shots at these Ronaldo. Are, these are not even countries, Chuck, who if we're playing a general knowledge game or, or, or a, trivia, a trivia game, if you can name these countries, you are winning that game because everyone's just like, what? What is the Faroe Islands? Marache, what, what is, is that way, to do? Is that where the his... rulers of Egypt came from? <laughs> what is the Faroe Islands? Okay, so 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 goals aside, you're, goals aside, you're saying based on the competition that has been faced, you would rate Messi to have a better international career than Ronaldo. I just rate Messi to have a better like career, no, no, whatever let's, stage. Let's let's, let's okay, try to no, narrow it down. It's a, a it's it's a much for me, mm-hmm. right? It is it is a much more difficult con- like comparison. Um, it is not. I don't think I definitively say yes. Mm-hmm. Messi has had a better international career than Ronaldo. Would you lean towards um, Messi or Ronaldo? I really have a bias for for Messi, like I because my, as my, well, my Chuck, to that, because as yeah. well, re, recent recently, right? What Messi did in the Copa was him being literally the best player in every match that he played. He was he was running those games. Whereas Ronaldo ended as a top scorer of um of the Euros, but he didn't have an impressive tournament for me, like overall as a player. And this is this is ultimately. But when you think about that, that he got knocked out quite early, and he still had those goals, right? Which goes to my point, which is, arguably, when you look at the fact that in the international careers, Messi has hands down had the better team to work with throughout their careers. Ronaldo's always been carrying Portugal, even against no, Chuck, Andorra. No, 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 no. It's only in the I, golden. I it's only in the golden generation that he's had the Figos and the Manishan. He came into that team. Literally, he came into and, and that golden and generation. And there were powerhouses, right? But after the, the, the Euros in Greece, he's had to play with Abu 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 Simao. Oh, Simao Simao is a great. He has to play like Nabo Nabo Anjubanlo William 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 that 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 guy Cavallo uh, Cavallo Abu Cedric. He's had to play on the field with people that you don't even know. You can't even talk, if you give me national team. Maybe not not most recently, but over the past. Eight years, I can name every single player in that starting eleven. Maybe even start on the bench. If I give you starting of Argentina, of Argentina. If I give you starting eleven, you're Portugal. You'd struggle to name more than six. 
No, Chuck. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. More think that's than the case. six. Can't think of anything top of my head. But even yeah. with those Argentine teams, I mean, there were players I was learning about for the first time, um, like Argentine players, mm-hmm. when I saw them at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, at World Cups, and. Do they not prove to be great though afterwards, as opposed to Portugal players who just mm, I just know his name, but Utu Zalat I don't know. I've always, I feel like I, I, I feel like I've always known these Portugal because as I'm saying, like Ronaldo came <laughs> into the a Portuguese team which was that golden generation. The moment he steps into a Portuguese team, with, let me talk about like the tournament. His first tournament with Portugal was the 2004 Euros, mm-hmm. right? They make it. They playing at home. They make it to the final. They upset by Greece. To win but it, yeah. that is that is a team who, even without Ronaldo, my opinion, are going that far. Yeah, they they were, they were and really stacked. Then they go to 2006, and then they they're a bit over the over the hill at that mm. point. That golden generation. And right? since then, Jay. but they are then in the semifinals. When I think about Messi, like when Messi came into in, in, into the Argentine team in 2006, they were one of the favorites. Mm. Um, I won't disregard that, which is. Why it was he he couldn't get on the field in the game that they get knocked, got knocked out? Although yep. I think the coach was stupid there because you're losing. Why would you not put in the phenom and in, in, in world football at the moment? The, the match prior, yeah. And then in 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 when they come to South Africa as well, which is the first tournament that both of them are at, where you would say, okay, these are their teams. And the you know, stars, yeah. You have you have Argentina who are who are thrashed by Germany. Um, can't quite recall what happened like uh, to Portugal. In, in, in that tournament but ultimately I don't think one had a that much of a superior see if Messi was playing for Spain Chuck if he had chosen like Spanish citizenship and he was part of those teams that were winning those three like international tournaments back to back to back mm. then I would, I would have nothing to say against the fact that well Messi has had a, a an inferior team even in the last couple of years of Spain like what that generation of the Spanish team would have just put him over the top as having had like a stronger international um, and international teammates, international team that he was a, a part of. This is not the argument that we're having, by the I way. I know. We'll probably let do some social media. Me, let me get back to Ronaldo. What it means for me, right, is I saw the stats that in Ronaldo's first 100 games for Portugal, he scored 37 goals. In his next 80 games, he scored 74 goals. And for me, it speaks to Ronaldo's career and who he is in his career. Ronaldo seems to have, at some point in his in his career, seems to have had this mindset switch that this is what I'm going to do, and he's then just gone and done it for a period like over over a decade, because he was he was he was what if he ended up playing he's got 180 games now if he and he was continuing at the rate he was going he was going to be his nation's highest goal scorer ever, and he was probably going to finish with like what between 60 and 75 international goals, which would have been amazing. But instead, he is the world record holder, you know, and that is that is hunger, that is drive, that is his desire. He says that um, he doesn't chase records, uh, records chase him. I don't quite believe that. Um, that's the thing to say. <laughs> and it's, 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 I don't think actually it's a bad thing to say that I chase records um, because it is, it is in, he's part of winning teams um, for the most part. Portugal also have won Euros since mm. he's been part of the team, you and know. League, so yeah. you can't fault him for placing his, his individual desires, um, goals um, above the, the needs of the team because the teams that he's part of need him very much so. And these goals have, 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 have been gold for Portugal. And for me, as I'm saying, those two halves to his international career, which have culminated with him being the world record holder, uh, the most goals scored by a international male football player, is testament to the greatness of Cristiano Ronaldo. And I will put the caveat, because I'm not a Ronaldo fan, I'll put the caveat that his greatness with regards to goal scoring. As you give people the mic and they say this. As Ubozara says. Then you did that. <laughs> but uh, it's a nod that I recognize. Uh, thanks, Jay. Um, so... Let's go to less certain things where we're gambling because as much as we give good advice, it's still gambling. Jay, it's been a while since you've done that disclaimer, boy, that, that responsible <laughs> disclaimer. Because up to this point, Chuck was on point with his selections. Now, now, now he wants to plunge you guys into losses. The disclaimer, obviously, is gambling can be addictive. 
So please do, if you do gamble, gamble with money that you can afford to lose. And this is not an endorsement for you to gamble. These are just our picks and our views if you are inclined in that particular direction. Mm -hmm. So just a quick overview of uh, your previous picks. You just missed out on one. Yeah, right? I just missed out on the Gabon versus Egypt. Uh, I had picked Egypt to win, and that game ended in a draw. Otherwise, I got the Proteas uh, versus Sri Lanka, right? Sri Lanka won. I got the uh, what Argentina versus Venezuela, right? I got the South Africa Zimbabwe, right? And well, since the Brazil Argentina game didn't go on, I guess that goes into my favor as well. So it was four out of five. Yeah, my my results. I had the uh, Nigeria scoring about one and a half goals that 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 got in Tunisia winning an under four and a half against Equatorial Guinea. They won three 0 That got in Russia straight win also got in. Then I lost that on Ireland and under four and a half goals. I don't know how Ireland drew against Azerbaijan, but that happened. Yep. And then I also had Denmark, who I thought they were free scoring, uh, scoring in both halves, and they only won one nil against mm. Faroe Islands. <laughs> so clearly, Faroe Islands are a tough team to See score against. Um, yeah, so that record is <laughs> legitimized by those kind of results. But this week, um, what I have, Chuck, is first and foremost Manchester United and over one and a half goals against Newcastle it's Old Trafford it's the return of Ronaldo it's it's the Stratford end they are going to be swallowing goals into that net it's going to be raucous in the Newcastle have no chance and they've already conceded so many goals I can't see United who won 5-1 their first appearance this this season in the league not putting two goals and a win at least mm -hmm. over um, Newcastle so there's that I've got Chelsea winning against Aston Villa at home, but under four and a half goals. Um, Chelsea control the games that they play in, but I don't think they've got that many goals in them. So I have that. I've got Leeds versus Liverpool. Liverpool, as we've said, they've got their injury problems. Leeds are playing at home, and we know Leeds are going to come out attacking, and we know Liverpool are great on the counter-attack. So I expect it to be back and forth, and therefore I've got both teams scoring and over two and a half goals. Hmm. And then the NFL is back over in America. And I've got the Los, Los Angeles Rams who are playing at home against the Chicago Bears. And I've got the Rams winning that game uh, straight up. And I've also got the defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Dallas Cowboys who are returning the injured quarterback. And I've got Tampa Bay winning straight up as well. I think I might have a Liverpool, Liverpool play in my FPL now. By the way, for the, for the United... Um, Newcastle game mm -hmm. if you also feel a little more ravenous you can have United scoring in both halves because I, I really think United are going to put Newcastle to the sword I hope so as a United fan um, so here are my picks I'm going to start off with uh, rugby as would the weekend be uh, the first dose of sports All Blacks against Argentina I've got the All Blacks winning that by at least 15 points or more so Choose that. 15 points or more. They're going to smash Argentina. And then we've got Crystal Palace against Tottenham. Uh, I'm picking Spurs for this one. Um, I know as much as Palace are playing at home, Spurs are still in London, man. And they've put in a good show so far. Top of the log. And Harry Kane seems to have found his scoring boots, at least for England. So I think he'll transfer his form. And then Leicester City against Manchester City. And I've got City to score in both halves. Which City? Manchester City. Okay. And yeah, I don't know how that will go. When you think every team is Arsenal, this is your problem. <laughs> According to Manchester City, every team could be Arsenal, but we'll see. Um, and then Everton against Burnley, and I've got Everton to win that with Dominic Calvert Lewin to score at any time in the match, picking him to score in that match. And then lastly, Inter versus Sampdoria, I'm going for Inter Milan straight win. Those are my picks. Cool, guys, find us on social media. We are, excuse me. At to our front pod on on Twitter and on Instagram, you'll find me at Zulu on Twitter. I finally have my Twitter account back. That's another story. And you'll Nine find Ninja. Chuck at Chuck Two Up. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, hit us up on those social media handles and engage with us. Let us know what are your thoughts about the World Cup being hosted every two years. Does that make sense to you? Could you somewhat see that working? And if we're to re rework the football model, how do you think it works? I mean, if it's different from what we currently know. And then um, as well, as a Liverpool fan, or if you want to comment in on the Liverpool story, do you think they've missed a trick by not getting a big name or marquee player in the window? And Ronaldo, 
bring in the love. I'm here for it. Let us know how great he is. <laughs> and this is Chuck. This is Jay. We uh, outie.